Yo, what's good, y'all? Welcome to the Water Podcast. Now, I know you probably wondering, where in the hell is Daniel? Where is my beloved host that hosts this thing and the hostess with the mostest and that makes it do what it do? Well, I'm here right now, so let's strap in your seatbelts because it's fixing to get real. On this episode of the Water Podcast, we have a very special guest. You know of him very well. And uh, we're going to get to some hard-hitting questions. We're going to get to the rock gut truth, as Ayanna Van Zandt would say. We're like Oprah. We're trying to figure out, so what's the truth? We're trying to get the true tea. We're trying to get the juice. We're trying to get the sauce, if possible. So without further delay, put your hands together for your guest, your host, Daniel. What's good, man? What's good, brother? How you feeling? Man, I am amazing. It is sunny outside. It is cold outside, but we gonna be great. We we gonna make it do what it do. You know, it's a great day to be to be alive. That's all I can say. For sure, man. I'm grateful to be here. I'm glad to be here. Um, for those that do not know, uh, my name is Charles. I am the Sheik of All Trades. You can find me on the Instagrams at Sheik of All Trades or the Kitchen Conjurer. That's the the underscore Kitchen Conjurer on IG. But I hit up Daniel with an idea for the Water Podcast, and I asked him, I said, have you ever just been interviewed yourself? Has, has You interview all of these people, you have these great guests, you have this great content, and you talk dope shit on this podcast. Have you ever just sat down and been interviewed yourself and had your life story told and put on wax? And that's what we came here to do today. So Daniel, I want to start off first and foremost. On a scale of one to ten, and I want you to hit all of these different things, right? How are you? What? How, how are you today in this space, in this moment, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of that? Give us a one to ten. We don't care where you start. Physically, I'm a, I'm a great on the curve of me being 35. Feel me? So I'm about a nine. <laughs> sister. I Wait, just- okay. So you got so we gotta pause. We gotta stop. What you mean great on the curve of 35? Because <laughs> now I'm gonna be real with y'all. I'll be 28 in February. If what I'm feeling right now at 28 is any indication of what 35 has in store, I'm like, no, nah, we got to get together ASAP because this ain't it. So what do you mean by that? Bro, just take your body back to the store. See if you get a new one right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Like, it's all you know what I mean? like, at that point. <laughs> so I take pretty good care of myself. You know what I mean? But I'm still... And pain a lot of the times, you know? So in the sense that today, like my pain is minimal, I feel good. I'll put it at like a nine, you know? Like I have okay, okay. I have a massage book for later. I'm doing my yoga later before the massage. So that should put me, I don't know if that's going to help or hurt. The massage definitely going to whip my ass. But um, but I feel I feel very good physically, you know what I mean? Um, okay, okay. Spiritually, I feel like I'm in a good space. Um, I've been on this journey for the past few years of just, figuring out what's true to me, what's real to me. And, you know, sometimes I make strides towards that in a, in like a tangible sense, whereas like I'm actively researching, you know, something or, or, you know, sometimes I just like learn from living and experience. And so um, I would put myself at like a nine there too. You know, last night, me and my girl, we set attentions for how we want to, progressing some of these things you know new moon or whatever so you know we set attention for how we want to progress and some of the things that you that you brought up and you know there there are things that i want to do more spiritually but i feel like i'm in a good spot spiritually okay and, i like that 
I want I, I want to take attention spiritually at some point in time. It's one of my questions that's on here, but I, I, we're going to get into that a little bit more in the detail. But continue. That's a bit. Um, it was physically, spiritually, what? Um, Mentally, emotionally. Emotionally, I'm at about a ten to be honest with you. I, I oh, that's dope. It's it's kind of weird because I'm just not used to sustained happiness, and um, but I've been trying to get settled in like you know for a little bit it's kind of like a what what's what's gonna go wrong what's gonna go wrong like this can't be but then you know realizing that it can be and even if it's not mentally it still can be you know like mm-hmm. regardless of what bs life throws at me i can still choose happiness and so in a sense that i have consistently chose happiness over a sustained course of time over the course of the year uh i would say i'm at a 10 emotionally mentally i met i would put myself and I'm my own worst critic, but I put myself at like a seven. And really, mm-hmm. it I feel like if I would say why it was a seven, people would be like, what are you talking about? That's like a nine or a 10. But I just feel like, you know, in the sense that, you know, I'm always trying to learn and improve. Um, I just feel like I'm happy, but there are other strides that I could be making. Most of it is in like the sense of like just actualizing. But but yeah, I'm gonna just go with a seven there. I like that. You said something that was very interesting just now where you said you consistently choose happiness. What does that look like for you? Because I know a lot of people are getting into this realm of spirituality or getting into this realm of like, I'm letting go the past stuff so that way I can self-actualize. I can be better. I can do better. I can shift my life into a different um his trajectory for lack of better terminology so like what does that choosing happiness consistently look like and then like how did you get to the point where it was like you could make that a consistent thing i'll give a very small example like sometimes a lot of times my job be on some bullshit but i can choose to like sort of sit in the bullshit or i can just like take it for what it is and sort of detach myself from any type of outcome and be content with the job that I do there without any type of expectation of a tangible reward or maybe an intangible reward or anything like that. And so in the sense of like my job, I sort of, yeah, I just sort of detach myself from my outcome and I choose not to keep that bullshit on me when I leave the job. You know, once, once the job is done, like I'm not going to give that job any more power over me because my working hours are in theory nine to five. So logically, like I try to think with both sides of my my brain and logically it doesn't do me any benefit in any way to give that job power outside of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the same goes with life, honestly, like life isn't so regimented in terms of time, but logically a lot of situations that I used to give energy to even if it's something that I had nothing to do with and it just like it's a bad situation that happened to me logically it doesn't do me any benefit to hold on to that situation so if there's anything that I can let go like I just I let it go sometimes I got to talk myself through it sometimes I can't talk myself through it I'd be like hold on no this really was some bullshit I got to address this then I got to address that as it comes but to whatever extent I have the power, like I'm going to exert that power. And what I find is that when I choose to exert that power, there's like a muscle that you keep building and you get stronger every time. And ultimately what it leads to is just, you're like, you know what? It's been some bullshit, but I've actually been happy. You know, like you step back from, from those trees and you look at the forest and you're like, 
I kind of like this trajectory. Man, you have preached an entire sermon within five minutes. <laughs> I I hope y'all was taking notes with it. Like, I, I, I hate that I, I don't have my sticky notes with me because, I mean, so many, so many gems was just dropped in that, that moment of time. But that's interesting that you say that because I've also been personally in that space of where I'm like, I'm choosing to do this thing instead of doing this thing that I'm consistently doing, right? Um, for me, it's more so the, the phrase that I've been using is taking my power back. And I don't think a lot of people recognize that they give away their power in so many different instances in life. And we're not going to spend too much time on it, but I want to use the pandemic as a whole as, as, as the example, right? Because a lot of people either recognize that I have to do something in order to keep surviving, or I have to maneuver or pivot or do something differently in order to sustain what I already have, right? And so in that, a lot of people recognize that, oh, I give my power away a lot in these situations, right? Like, let's, let's look at corporations right now, how we're having all of these, you know, staffing shortages and stuff like that, because people are recognizing their worth, their worth, their power, their capabilities, their strength, and they're like, I can redirect it and turn it back into me, you know? And so for me, it's like, what does it look like to take that power back in whatever instances? But this was the gag, though. I was cleaning up one day and in the midst of me doing so, my higher self was like, you do know that you wouldn't have to take your power back if you never gave it away to begin with, right? And I was like, wow, what a drag. All right, sure, didn't come to get read this morning, but here we are, you know, I'll take the read as it comes, sure. But for my example, at least, of what that choosing happiness looks like, you know, and it's dope to hear this perspective because a lot of people don't recognize how they could choose their own happiness in any given situation. And especially for those people who spend majority of their time at work, not saying that's a good thing, but if you spend majority of the time in that particular thing, imagine if you would have taken time away from that and you know put it into something else and that could be what choosing your happiness looks like but it's dope to hear this perspective because i think a lot of people don't think that it's possible to be, still be happy or to be able to have control over your happiness or they don't recognize that you have the actual tangible control over it and they just leave it up to chance if that makes sense you know mm -hmm. um so this is dope i i i love that to hear that we have black men that are actively choosing their happiness or they're actively taking a, an active approach to determining how they feel and not just going off a whim, you know? Sure. So I want to get into this next question because again, you preached the whole sermon here. So you said it at one, one of the most recent episodes, right? Um, I want to say it was either the human design one or it was the word you just pop your shit, which kudos to everything that you <laughs> that you have accomplished thus far and that you will in the future Appreciate but that. i want to ask this so since you say since you are a preacher's kid how did that upbringing right impact your world view for one and how does what you thought then differ from what you think the way you think now i would definitely say like i would compare it to I have a friend who was brought up atheist and when he's opened up about, you know, his upbringing, he kind of like came into it with sort of like a clean slate in the sense of religiously, spiritually, he was able to grow up. And when he was an adult and able to make his own decisions, he saw it from kind of more an objective viewpoint. 
uh, for me, there was two, there was two things that I kind of came in with a certain lens. So one would be the lens of the religion itself, Christianity. So you grew up and you're like, okay, I'm either going to heaven or hell. And everybody around me is either going to heaven or hell. And so you kind of look at it as the only way, like that's the end game. But then you, you back it up, you have the lifestyle that comes with that. And you kind of look at like to live this lifestyle is the only way to live because the inevitable end is you're either going to be in heaven or hell. So I would say from a religious standpoint, that's kind of how I grew up. And then from the lifestyle standpoint, there's there's that. And then there's also the conditioning that comes with that. You know, you know, the Bible does clearly state what sins are, but then there's projections and attachments that different sects of Christianity can attach onto that to where you're not even living. You are living the Bible, but you're living it to an extent that you don't have to live it to. You're living it to like this denomination's interpretation of it. And so I kind of came up under both of those and because of my own life and it wasn't going the way that I wanted it to go. And I was sort of praying and I Maybe the prayer worked, maybe the prayer didn't, but I didn't feel like the prayer worked for me. And so I just started to look at myself and take a step back and, and think like, what makes me different from anybody else, really? You know, what makes me different from the people that I thought was going to hell? And so I just started looking at everybody in the same way and seeing like people going through real shit and like, like, wow, it's not a disconcern. This person's concerned whether or not they're going to hell or heaven because their problems are real today and my problems are real today. And so I kind of had to get to that point where I just sort of went from like a subjective point of view to an objective point of view. And I try to look at everything. I still don't have it figured out, but I just try to look at everything as what is the most universal, what truth could be applied to me, to a civilization that's not even discovered somewhere off the Indian Ocean, what could be applied to, you know, like a starving kid in South America or whatever. You know, because what applies to what's true, if there is like a certain decided outcome, it would have to apply to everybody. Does that answer your question? Oh, no, that answers my question in so many different ways. Okay. Because, like, no, 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 you, you, you're you 100% spot on because the last portion that you said as far as like, you know, what concern of it is of whether or not people are going to heaven or hell because their problems are literally immediately there right now. That's the idea that I just came to. Um, somebody asked this question on Twitter. It was like, you know, if you believe in God or if you don't, or you believe that you are, you know, powerful in your own right and you can make things shake on your own. What is the thing that keeps that? What is the, the piece that that keeps you from holding on to that faith? And I I broke back. I'm like, because even though I trust that the creator is going to make a way, I can't trust that the people that that the other creations are on the same page. And that's what impacts me right now in this right. moment. It's right. not whether or not the creator is going to move it, or whether or not I'm going to make a move because I'm always better myself and I always trust that the creator is going to do what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. But it's everybody else that's around that don't get it. And my thing is it doesn't necessarily have to be from a Christian standpoint or a religious standpoint at all. It just has to be from a, do you know yourself and do you know how the universe operates enough to move in that alignment? And because other people don't move in that alignment and I don't move in alignment with other people as well, 
it makes that faith sometimes a lot more difficult because my problems are right then in that moment and not some futuristic event, you know? Right, right. right. Another thing I would add real quick is that with the objective, it, it can be hard because, you know, the, our conditioning is that there is one way, you know, like it's like the Christians versus the Muslims versus the Buddhists and stuff like that. But another thing that I learned from observation is that some people just have different accesses to divine connections. Like my, like that as my mom would get visions that would come true. And whether or not I choose to be a Christian, those visions are still real to her and those visions still come true. And so if she has a Christian can have these experiences, like who am I when I've seen it happen to say like, like I can't throw Christianity out. So Christianity is real to her. Cool. I've seen other people have other visions that come true just because, you know, out of intense meditation or out of whatever manifestation practices they have. And that's true to them, too. Fine. I feel like if, you know, we could all accept that we all have different accesses, um, you know, different keys that maybe unlock the same door. That's another thing that that would be beneficial to everybody. So then let me ask this just as a kind of simple question, but also, you know, small, slight tangent. So I'm assuming that you no longer partake or you, you are no longer associated with Christianity. So what would you say your spiritual or religious practices are now? Are you leaning more towards the agnostic or the atheist point of view, or do you still hold on to Christianity? Like, what does that look like? If I had to, like, define it in one way, I would say I'm agnostic. But okay. also, I look for what works for me. So when I say that, that I mean sense. that I forget which episode I said this in, but I was very depressed in my like final months mm -hmm. as, as a Christian. I was very depressed and I couldn't pray my way out of that. I kind of had to meditate my way out of that. And so mm -hmm. that was like means of survival for me. Um, and so once I decided to remain here on this particular plane, I had to figure mm -hmm. out if, if I'm going to continue to survive, I had to find out what's going to make me want to survive. And uh, that's mm -hmm. when I started to look at like Buddhism a little bit because that was about dealing with suffering. And so it was like, okay, maybe I don't need this grand gesture of this grand, you know, teaching of life and death while I'm here. How about I just look into like suffering because I'm suffering right now and I don't want to mm -hmm. suffer anymore. And so that's when I sort of got into learning about and I'm not super well versed in it, but I, I looked into like the noble truths and the eightfold path enough to know that our attachments to expectations is what makes yep. us suffer. And so, yep. like, okay, how can I detect, what am I ex expecting right now? And how can I detach myself from whatever expectation is holding me back? And so it came from survival, but it kind of helped put me in a space where now I can more objectively choose. You know what I mean? That... Wow. I mean, it's so much alignment in, in this conversation as it is, but that's so interesting that you say that because I because one of the things to go back to what you said earlier about like, you know, what does it matter if somebody's going to heaven or hell? It's like, what are you doing for that person in that moment? And I think a lot of Christians have missed that portion of the message. Like, because everybody is waiting on Jesus to come back. But it's like y'all do recognize that Jesus was making making shit pop while he was here. Like right, he was right, actively right, right. working, right? Actively doing the things. And I think they missed that portion of like the active, you know, work that to that is to be done, right? Um, I just recently, I want to say last month of the month, well, no, it was September. 
uh, um, bought a Bible. The first time I bought a Bible or possessed a Bible with the light. 12 years, 12, 13 years, something like that. And something just told me, go get it and read it. And I'm like, all right, bet, sure. Um, and so I've been practicing bibliomancy, which is essentially just like, you know, you know, praying to the ancestors or the divine creator, whatever you believe in. It's like, hey, just show me a message of what I need to read for that day. End up opening in the section on tithing and read that all the way through. And I was like, oh, if people actually knew what was in this word, churches would be burning down right now because wow y'all are getting gotten over on bad right now but that's another conversation <laughs> for another day what it is but the thing that it wasn't even just the fact of the practical robbery highway robbery that bothered me but it's like the same people that are leading the leading these you know congregations it's like are you even following this same thing because there's no reason why you're collecting all of this money or collecting all of these people because even if the people didn't have the money the people can still create something and make something shake out of what's around them because it's literally what we've been doing for millennia at this point right but it's like what are you actively doing in the present moment to stop the struggles because again this is what is is what jesus was teaching but again the the, the passage on tithing was in the old testament so it's like, and a lot of people's like, well, we don't follow New Testament, we follow Old Testament. Well, that's, it's, it's right there, girl. Like, you, you're, you're still not doing it, though. And so I think a lot of Christians tend to miss that portion and they get to the, you know, where they just focus on, like, you're, the, you're going to hell or the eternal damnation of it. And it's like, I think the, the people who are, you know, practicing and this ain't no shade to nobody, it's like, at what point in time do you reflect and you go back and think like, okay, am I actively doing the work at this moment to stop my suffering or to stop anybody else's suffering? And if not, what could I be doing or how could I repurpose or redirect this energy to make sure that that gets done? Because outside of that, what, what point do you serve, you know? Right. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, get that. I don't think a lot of people um, recognize that and, you know, do what's necessary in order to rectify it, you know, but then they turn around and look at other beliefs such as Buddhism or such as Hinduism or such as, you know, uh, Taoism, such as, you know, whatever, whatever ideology there is out there, they look at it as a, the incorrect path or the incorrect, you know, truth or whatever. And it's like, they're actively doing more than y'all are. So what is it, you know? You know, I do think, though, for what is worth between COVID and what happened with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor last year, um, that has started to open some eyes within, well, across the board to where, you know, we talked about taking back power earlier. Like, uh -huh. you know, I know the church that I was a part of, you know, they were very transparent, like to the point where at the beginning of every year they had like a literal PowerPoint at the end of a, at the end of a service where they would tell us where the money was going and what their goal was which was cool but i also know people like i'm still have friendships in that church and i know people who have looked at those and and kind of said like that's cool that that's going to those places but that doesn't align with how we want to give our money so we will remain in this in this body of fellowship you know we'll give our money in the way that we want it to benefit and and so people are taking back their power within these you know, these bodies, because, you know, on a, on a leadership perspective, you know, maybe how they want to give the money or how they choose to give the money is real to them and what they see the needs are. But, you know, it has always been the rights of the participants to decide whether or not that aligns with them, whether it be 
money practices or whatever. And so we're seeing that I've personally seen a lot of people that decide that have decided that their vision for what they want their life and their, their spiritual walks to look like doesn't align. And they've sort of like done, they maneuver within their decision, you know? So mm-hmm. for better or worse, I've definitely seen, seen that start to play out. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I, I, I would hope so, especially after Squid Games and he came out and, <laughs> and, and Squid Games flat out told y'all in the in he flat out said that all of y'all, if you just come together on this decision, we could all pop out this mug and people still went back. And I think a lot of people miss out, like you said, you you try to use both sides of your brain. A lot of people neglect that, you know, logical side of the brain and they just operate off in, impulses and it's like. That's only going to get you so far. And at some point, you're going to have to actively think, use this mental masculine energy that you have, that everybody has, and do what's necessary so that way you can still benefit from the thing that you are giving your energy to, because if not, it's a parasite. Like, I I don't know how we're missing, you know, basic terminology that we've all learned at this point. Or that we're forgetting it. That's another conversation for another day. We ain't gonna get into the conspiracy theory side of things yet. <laughs> but you know, it, it's it, it's it's interesting just to hear that thought process as a whole, you know, and be able to then you know see it um, play out the, for lack of better terminology. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're gonna get a little bit a little bit more a little bit more deeper. But I promise you, this is the deepest we gonna go. You know. Unless you want to go further, we'll see how this turns out. Okay, so you spoke on, on having to take that time to um, taking that that space of where you were very depressed and and down, and you know um, where you experienced. I think you said on like the last past episodes. I think it was on the the talking your shit one where you experienced suicide ideation. So like, what was the, we're not going to talk about like what got you to there unless you do want to take the time to uh, to speak on it. But what was the saving grace that made you not want to go through it? And I asked this question because suicide is the number one killer of black men in the United States besides the police officers, besides hypertension and high blood pressure and besides probably gang activity or something. I don't know. I haven't done the research, but I know that suicide and police killings are probably neck and neck at this point. But with that being the case, I think there's a lot of Black men who also don't recognize that there are other people that are in that same space with them, you know, or have had experiences like that, or are trying to find a way to get out of it. So like for you, what was the thing that was like, no, I can't do this. I have to keep pressing and keep going forward. I think the base level decision came from reading about other families experiences when you know when they had a loved one that committed suicide and i was i was also very close to a family where someone committed suicide too so mm-hmm. i saw it firsthand and then i read these experiences of people that just don't get over it and then it, it really just the base level decision just came from like you know should I, I can't do this to my family and then the after that that's when i sort of decided that if i'm gonna be here then i'm gonna have to make it worthwhile for myself because I can't afford to be in this cycle every day for minutes, hours at a time. Like I can't mentally afford to to do that. And so I started to look at why I felt that way. And initially I felt that way because, you know, when things didn't play out for me in terms of like 
religion, in terms of marriage, in terms of where I was career wise, like I just feel like a failure. So I felt logically, I felt like the world would have been a better place without me. Like I was, I was not a net positive to the world at that time. Um, meditation helped with it a lot. And I, I began to realize that the things that made me feel wasn't me. It wasn't because I was a bad person. Like certainly there were things I could work on, but they weren't directly related. You know, like there wasn't like a necessarily like a direct correlation between like, I'm this person. Therefore, like these things are working out. So for me, I, I basically like learned how to not internalize things. I started keeping an affirmation journal as well, where when I felt my worst, I would write to myself from the third person and I would kind of acknowledge what was happening and kind of like put that objectively like, OK, this this did happen, you know, maybe did play this part in it, but that doesn't define you there are ways out of it and you're still doing great. You're trying your best. And like, I always end it with like, when I, these journal entries were like, come back when you need it. Because when I write it, I write it from perspective of like, this is my higher self speaking. And I know that I'm going to feel this way again. So instead of getting in that loop, just go, just go to the damn, the damn journal, bro. And read again. And then you'll be like, Oh, I did go through this. Oh, there is a way out. This how I got out last time. Bet I got the playbook. I have to ask this before you keep going though. Like, cause, cause you hit, uh, so did, who did you learn that process from? Like, did you, was that like an active learning process or was this a, I'm paying attention to the pattern. So let me do something differently type thing. It was, I'm paying attention to the pattern. And you know, with me again, I had my flaws, but I also had my gifts. And so, you know, with me, like, meditating and stuff like I had to figure out okay what works for me so whether it be like live journal from back in the day um I've kept some form of a journal online or handwritten since I was 17 so I like to write and I'm my best self when I'm writing or expressing myself in some way and so the next step for me after like meditation and like thinking these thoughts in this cycle was okay what is it that I'm good at and how can I leverage that for myself and times where I'm not really feeling it. Oh, I write all the time anyway. Why don't I just write about it? You know, and then at some point I started going from like a first person to like a third person point of view, whereas like, um, whereas like I'm kind of like my own therapist in a way, you know, like I'm talking myself through it. I think about how I would want to be talked to. Like if I were to go to somebody for advice or if somebody were to give me advice I didn't ask for, I'm kind of stubborn and I would want to be approached a certain way. Like I don't want to be coddled, but I also don't want to be like miscalculated. Like when I say miscalculated, I mean like an objective point of view with no projections of like who you might have known me as before or what you've seen from other people in that scenario, just what you see in me in that moment. So like, if you're going to come to me with advice, like come correct. And so, you know, that's kind of my opportunity that I create to come correct to myself. And another thing that really helped me was, you know, we all, I'm not gonna say we all, but I'm just gonna speak for myself. Okay. So 
I can I can be my own worst critic. And so like I might think, I don't know, a hundred negative thoughts about myself in a day. Like I'm playing basketball, right? I make a turnover, bad pass. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why the fuck would you do that, dumbass? Like these are all things that in the moment they don't seem like a big deal, but the words have power, like words mean things. And so for me, I was like, if I can get out of this, like my goal was for every bad thought that I would have to have a good thought for it. So if I had like 50 bad thoughts that day, then talk myself up 50 times too. Like, you know what I mean? And so like, yeah, you're a dumbass, but like, no, you're not a dumbass. You, you just went about it the wrong way. You did your best at that time. This is what you can do to get better. And so like, eventually my body, like subconsciously naturally you started to respond is like, I bet. I bet. I bet. You know, and so I don't look at myself like even when I have mistakes, I don't even it's at the point now where I don't even think of like I just look at it as a mistake. Like I don't think of it as any indication of who I am because I have taught myself up enough to know that whatever happens, I can improve on it. And I trust my baseline character enough to know that I won't I will never fuck up so bad that I can't come back from it. Man. And it's interesting that you pull it out like this because I know to somebody that's listening, they're like, I don't, there's too many steps to go through to, to do all of that. But when you get to a point where you sick and tired, you're going to make a way, you know, to make stuff go completely different. Like, and I'm pretty sure the majority of your audience, if not everybody, has gotten to a point where they have just been sick and tired of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like I've been telling people over just the last year alone, um, we, we talk about, uh, you know, all these different deities and things like that. And me personally, um, I'm no longer a Christian. I've, you know, put that to the side for myself. But I've, like you said, tapped into, you know, the other different thought, pro- the thought processes, the philosophies, you know, all of those different things. And I picked out what works for me. And one of those deities that I picked out from is the is Saturn, right? The, the, the planet. Yeah, we know about that one. But mm-hmm. like Saturn is an actual, you know, deity, right? Um, and Saturn is linked to, you know, death is linked to transformation is linked to father time is linked to all of those different things. And so one day as I was tapping into Saturn, Saturn asked a very powerful question is like, you know, what are you willing to do in order to get a different outcome? Like, what are you, as as the song says, who is it, Rihanna, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do to get a different outcome? Are you willing to you know, move to a different city? Are you willing to break off this relationship? Are you willing to quit this job? Are you willing to stop going to this place? Are you willing to stop beating yourself up? Are you willing to, you know, eat better? Like, what are you willing to do to get a different outcome? And I think with that, a lot of people get mad at, you know, Saturn or get mad at because things ended off, but people don't recognize until later on down a lot that that thing that you were holding on to had to be cut off or had to die in order for you to get to this other thing over here you know but i also love that how love how you approached it from a logical standpoint but also looked at it from an emotional standpoint as well because i think a lot of people especially in the society we live in men are told you know put your emotions to the side men don't have emotions that's a feminine trait and stuff like that and Granted that we're getting slowly to a point to where that's starting to shift and you can actually see it now. It's not enough of a shift to where it's just like, all right, everything's all fine and, you know, hunky-dory at this point. But 
a lot of people are getting to the point where they're recognizing their emotions is what plays into that logical action, right? Mm-hmm. And what allows you to then execute this different thing. And so the way that you put you put it, you make it sound so easy, you know, even though we, I ain't gonna say we, I know for me, it took a lot to get to that point, but you make it sound so easy to where like any anybody, you know, not just black men, but anybody could, you know, take their time to sit down and rationalize what it is that they're, you know, what they're thinking. And it's also interesting the fact that I just said rationalize, where is that book? It's on my counter. Um, I started reading um, The Laws of Human Nature. It's about the same person that read, that wrote 48 Laws of Power. Okay. And The Laws of Human Nature, he literally says that in the first chapter about rational, being a rational thinking, rational thinking being. And he was saying the fact that exactly what you just described your process is you would be considered a rational thinking person because you were able to dissect and you know compartmentalize things and delineate where these where this feeling or where this it goes with this action or this emotion goes with this feeling or whatever whereas the folks that don't do it those would be your irrational thinkers you know and we tend to think people as irrational is because they're flying off at the handle because they can't control themselves or they have meltdowns or they're doing whatever but I like how you put it because you make it, again, sound so easy that anybody can make it do. It, it's just more of a, you know, again, what are you willing to do type situation, you know? Right. Like, we here, we here anyway. Feel me? So while we here, you know, we get, depending on what you believe, we get more than one life, but we only get one life in this body. So it's like, while we here, like, you might as well maximize that time and it don't always look like you know having three side hustles you know what i mean but at least like hustle for your happiness like just, that's the least you can fucking do i feel that wholeheartedly man okay so again we didn't get to the deep stuff so let's come out a little bit lighter let's, let's make this a little bit lighter you know so on your most recent episode with the human the human design um episode which was by far one of my favorites thus far um i personally have studied human design just for a teensy little bit you know just because it was interesting to me and i really enjoyed that episode so we found that you are a manifesting generator what did that information do for you i'm asking this question for a reason but what did this what did finding out that you were manifesting generate like what did how did that change your viewpoint on things as they stand now and as you are progressing forward um so three major things one on the basic like manifesting generator level the way mike had explained it to me was that's kind of the more general like you know i wake up with all this energy and i have to exhaust my energy and go to sleep exhausted and so you know, for me, again, logically, it's like, okay, what can I put my energy towards in order to exhaust myself? And so for me, it, it, you know, that knowledge caused me to think more consciously about how I use my energy. And like, there's like good exhaustion and there's like bad exhaustion, right? So like good exhaustion in the sense that like, I wake up and I feel refreshed versus like a bad exhaustion where I wake up and I'm still groggy and tired. And sometimes you don't, well, for me, again, I don't want to put my thoughts on anybody else, but sometimes for me, I don't know what is good and bad for me until I wake up and feel the effects of it. And so it made me more cognizant of how I spend my energy, what's good for me and what's bad for me. And then that way I can, you know, some of the stuff that gives me 
bad exhaustion, like it's not necessarily something I can avoid, but maybe I can group it with some other stuff that's going to make me feel good. And then that, that be the day. Like I spent days balancing the good and the bad. So that's one thing I learned. Another thing is it gave me affirmation to forge my own path and continue on that. Um, it was something that was real hard for me because, cause yeah, I was just always looking for like this, this role model, you know, people have these mentors and I wanted sort of that for myself. And I, I still would, you know, would like to have like some type of spiritual mentor at, at some point in life, just for somebody who's been through certain things before, but I don't rely on it as heavily because I trust, I have learned through experience and through my design to trust my own path, to trust my own journey to trust my decision-making abilities, trust my intuition and trust that everything is working out for the better for me. You know, like everything that led me to a bad place got me there so I can ultimately what I needed to learn to get me in a good place. And so I can't be mad at that. Like it sucked, but I was built for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are the two biggest takeaways. The third one would be just about like being able to figure out what my truth is and giving that time to simmer. So I feel that. And I ask because I too am a manifesting generator. And so hearing your reading actually gave me a lot more insight to what it means to be a manifesting generator because I don't necessarily, because I think we have different placements. I think I think yours were more so focused in your head or something like that. And one of mine is in my head and the other is in my sacral chakra. And so for me, the portion where he said that confirmed a lot for me was the wait to respond type situation, right? And for me, it's like, I didn't recognize that I needed to wait for my body to actually say, no, this is a good thing or no, this is a bad thing before I actually did something. But what made that a little, I'll say a little more difficult for me is because I deal with anxiety as well. And so a lot of my anxiety, it has to do with, you know, spatial elements of being, you know, in, around people, you know, being around certain energy. I'm very sensitive when it comes to uh, energy, just in general, like certain crowds, I literally won't, well, I'll say crowds in general, I will not be out like that. Like, it's just, don't ask me to go to Rolling Loud, don't ask me to go to Lollapalooza, don't ask me to go to Coachella, because no, I'm not going, like, it's too much, but I recognize that, you know, even in the stuff that I agree to doing with other people, you know, it says that in the four agreements, how we all make agreements to even the most subtle things, but people don't recognize it, right? You know, a lot of people think agreements are just your contracts that you sign or whatever, or you say, yeah, I'm going on this date with this person. But even if you just subscribing to somebody's energy is an agreement just in its smallest self, you know, or going to a space, you are agreeing to envelop whatever energy or be part of the envelope or whatever energy that's in that space. And I didn't know before, you know, I recognized that I was a manifesting generator that a lot of my energy has to come from within before I could do something outside of myself. And so when I heard that you were manifesting generator, I was like, oh, okay, this is lit. There's no more, no one that makes sense why, you know, I'm able to, you know, tap into this, this, this space, this medium that you hold for people and for yourself first and foremost you know, and pull out things that are pertinent to me, you know, be it logically, be it mentally, be, you know, it's spiritually, be it whatever. And it, it, it's dope to hear that there are other manifesting generators because it's like, 
I get where the energy comes from. Like I, there's somebody that understands where their energy or where their passion for things um, comes from or where that drive comes from. Cause I definitely had those days where I'm like, all right, I've done everything I, I could today. I'm about to KO and this is about to be the best night of sleep ever. <laughs> and then there's other days where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. And I'm never doing that again. Or back when I wasn't where I am now, I would just be on the hamster wheel and just be wondering why am I tired? Why am I upset? Why do I not like where I'm at? Why do I, you know, dislike going to this place? Why? And I didn't, I didn't know my power, my strength at that point, which gets me to the point of taking my power back, you know? So it's, it's dope to hear that it enhanced your light, your worldview, you know, per se, and it allowed you to learn more about yourself and for those that have not done a reading before or done a, a, a human design thing, you probably want to go see. It's one of the things where it's kind of scary accurate once you really just kind of sit and read and digest it. It's, it's scarily accurate. And, but you'll learn a lot about yourself and you will learn a lot about, you know, how you react and how you respond to things. And so why not go do it? This is not an ad. I'm just saying, you know. Definitely. So my next question is, so at 35, right? I heard that in your 30s is lit. I heard your 30s is lit. I heard that this is where, you know, your skin is clear. You got a lot more money. You got a lot more sense and things is popping. It's like your 20s, but with some more money. So at 35, right? What is one piece of advice that you would give your 15-year-old self and your 25-year-old self? So at 15... I was late doing it, but I was big into basketball. Like I played basketball up until three years ago. I played basketball my whole life. And so I tried out for the JV team at 15 as a 10th grader. And I killed the tryouts, but I didn't make the team. And I didn't circle back to the coach to ask why. Um, And then also I was unsure about what I wanted to do growing up. And so Later on, you know, I went on to get cut by the basketball team several times. And then I went to major in something that I thought would just give me money. And I liked enough to get through the classes. And that didn't work out either. So at 15, I would tell myself to go after what you want. Like decide what you want and then go after that. So how that would have made it different is if I would have say I, I had those same trials and I do really well and I still don't make the team. I'm going to the coach office and be like, yo, can you tell me like, what's the deal? Like, can you tell me what's went wrong? Cause you know, like he doesn't know this, but varsity players were at the tryout saying like, yo, you should have made the team. So coach, can you tell me what would have went wrong or what went wrong? Um, if, you know, if he says what he says, you know, maybe he doubles back on the decision, invites me back to the next round of tryouts. Maybe he says, well, this is what I wanted to see. And then I, at that point, I could take that information and knowing what I that I know what I want, bust my ass during the season, play with these guys as much as possible, get shots up in the gym, and then come back next year stronger, ready to go. Because I knew at that point I had I would have had the data from the coach that this is what they wanted to see, and the next year I would have gave him exactly what he wanted wanted to see. You know what I mean? And so, and it, even if not that, like worst case scenario, I'm just a much better basketball player. Best case scenario, I made the team, and then who knows where that takes off. But um, that's something I would have done. And then I really, when engineering didn't work out for me, I really wanted to major in journalism, which would have been in line with what I was doing at the time. Like, I I, looked, I had a journal at the time. I liked to write. 
Um, but I let I let my my parents talk me out of it because you know it wasn't in their eyes it wasn't like as secure as you know business or something of that nature. And so I would have I would have pushed back on that too. I'd have been like, uh, yeah, no, I get that you're helping me with it, but you know, this is what I want to do. So you can either continue to help me with what I want to do, or you cannot help me and fast what will, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so uh, that's what I would have given myself at 15. Now at 25, I was very much into religion at the time. I got married that age actually. Um, and we were very active in the church. I think at 25, that's when I really needed to be in touch with myself emotionally. And that's when I would have needed to, I actually wasn't writing a lot then. I actually would have been helpful, especially in those early stages of, of marriage. Um, not necessarily because like me and her were having problems, but because of what we were going through um, that was external. And so I would have told myself to really feel my feelings and don't try to put on this show for for people like don't try to be the Daniel that you that you think people want to see be exactly the Daniel who you are and so that would look like me showing up more for myself emotionally showing up more for her emotionally and just like yeah just knowing who I was knowing what I was feeling instead of just like having this mask on so then could you say that with everything that you've gone through up until 35 now and with the five years that you have in, you know, your 30s thus far, are your 30s lit? Are the 30s lit thus far? 30s is lit big what people say? Okay. What makes it lit? Because, I again, I'll be 28 or four months. I'm trying to see what I got to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> um, You just have a better sense of who you are. You know what I mean? And to your credit, you at 28, you've done a lot more inner work than I did at 28. And so you're going to like excel in this category even more so than you already are. But there's just an awareness. Like I've become more efficient with what I care about and what I don't. Like I'm super passionate about what I care about, um, you know, because like the, the whole thing about like reparenting your inner child, like a parent is protective of their child. And so I'm like mm -hmm. super protective of my energy. You know what I mean? Um, and the awareness that I've gained since then, because like biologically, I believe I wrote about this a while ago, but biologically, like the gray matter is more formed in your brain in your 30s, like as you get into, into your 30s. And so mm -hmm. like you're naturally making better decisions. You're naturally more aware. And so for me, like I've just been able to make more sober decisions that have led to a happier lifestyle. And that's kind of manifested itself, you know, like financially and like um emotionally and so that's why i'm able to sit here and say that i'm in a nine in most of these categories because like like for for me like logically being able to have the wherewithal to know that i'm not going to get to where i want to be without planning and so to, like i plan out a lot of my week to the point where like i know what i'm going to do but also in a way to where like i know that if i do these things i might need to deviate emotionally so to leave also leave room for spontaneity so i had this system in place where i'm built to stay happy you know like i'm getting my i'm getting my workouts in i'm getting my like i'm taking myself on a date like once a week i'm 
I know I'm going to be in pain from the workout. So I had a massages book. I had a chiropractor book. I have like, I don't look at money as like, oh, I got to spend this on this. I'm looking at it as like, I am seeing professionals who are good at what they do that know how to make me feel the way I want to feel. And wow. logically, it all just like ties together. You know what I mean? That wow, that that just gave me a renewed sense of peace, honestly, within because I was just thinking about that yesterday. How I've actually had to check myself on money because I feel like I've been needlessly spending, even though I did literally just hop, skip, and jump like four different states and moved. So it is like I'm having to spend money on a lot of things that I'm like, but at the same time, it's like these are the things that make me happy, these are the things that you know, bring me some type of joy, even if it's impulsive spending, you know, because that's a thing. Um, it, it brings me comfort or brings me happiness in that moment. Just like yesterday, I went to, um, so I moved to Atlanta and I went to Little Five Points and went to a record store in there. And some just told me, go buy physical copies of your favorite artists. Like go get CDs because I don't know why, but it's like, it was one of those things how, you know, when we were growing up, it was vinyls and stuff like that. And then vinyls went out the, out the you know, paint for a second. And record players came back and folks are now starting to get stuff back on vinyl. Mm-hmm. But when I, but even just in that, like, there was a lot of vinyls that I didn't have to go buy because they were my grandmama's records. Like, her Michael Jackson Off the Wall album is now mine. You know, what? the original junk that she bought is now mine. Well, that's dope. Commodore's albums, Gap Band albums, you know, all of these different albums, like literally when she bought it, when it came out, it is now mine. And I had the same thing with the CDs, you know, even though some of these CDs have been out for, you know, ages. It's one of those things, kind of like with 8-track players with us too. It's like, I want to be able to have this and can miraculously go to somebody's, you know, used store and find a working thing to make this thing play. And so I literally went in there and bought six CDs. I bought Baduism. Um, I bought New America Part 1. I was going to buy the live album, but I was like, let me chill on it. I bought Maxwell's Urban Hangout Suite. I bought so many other different things, but it's like you want the, those tangible things that make you happy. And even how you said you're going to get a massage, like that's something that I recognize that I enjoy, but it's like instead of me saying I got to spend this money and I got to go get this thing and have such a grudge towards it's like I'm allowing my energy to go into these places because that's what brings me comfort because I feel like I deserve it especially you know after this year of you know pandemonium like I know a lot of people who have have you know felt like they've lost everything but on the other side of it have gained it all back you know in excess and overflow and there's still more coming behind it and so I enjoy how you just put that because it's like it, it was that reminder of remember we, we working out of this yeah you still kind of got a toe in there now but remember this is what we covered out of slide on back up into the good side so you can enjoy you know what it is that you worked your ass off for you know because a lot of people don't recognize they think that oh just because I go to work and you know stuff like that and I get paid and this is that and the third you know that's enough to satisfy me that's enough to get me where I got to go. And if that's what you do about me is go for it. But my grandma told grandmama told me don't ever go work for a whole year and not have nothing to show for it, mm-hmm. which that goes back to what I was bringing up earlier about ties and offering. That's actually in the scripture. That's literally in that, in the text, not verbatim, but close enough. 
that you take the ties to the storehouse so that way once this time of year comes around you have something to eat off of this is what you have to show for for the harvest of that you grew you know the entire growing season and so even though it's used as a metaphor it's still a realistic thing and you know you being able to go get your massages me being able to go buy cds and stuff like that that's what i have to show for for all of the work and yeah it may seem minuscule and seem like small but if that's what makes you happy at the end of the day you know that's what makes you happy but i also like how you said you you created this now to where it's like it's created to to where you're built to consistently remain happy and i love to hear that and i hope that the other black men that hear this and even black women because that's what i mostly focus on um i hope that you all hear this and that you're like no nah, if he can make that happen so can i because at some point in time you're gonna get sick of running on the hamster wheel you're gonna want to get off that bad boy and go do something different here's your message to say start that process now or to figure out what it is that you can do to you know make it sustainable because it's possible it's, mm -hmm. it's doable it's just a you got to go make it happen so we're going to start to land this airplane as one of my professors used to say and i used to love when he says is because they let you know we was getting out of class <laughs> out one 45 <laughs> minutes earlier like uh -huh. this here dude class you start at five o'clock we was at that bad boy at 5 50 some days like he was like i'm through with it i don't care <laughs> but uh so to the same to the question that i just asked before so you talked about your 30s we gave advice to your 15 year old self to your 25 year old self right what is it that you're looking forward to the most for the back half of your 30s since you're in the middle now what's the back half looking like now that i've sort of started to scratch the surface of what i believe like my power is i'm looking forward to seeing how i operate out of abundance versus need or struggle Woof. You know I mean? like Woof. like for me like i know i'm in an area now where i moved back to like my hometown area a few years ago and i moved back knowing like on a three-year plan you know what i mean like knowing that i'm gonna save up this i'm gonna pay this off i'm gonna i, I moved back to start a new career and I'm, I'm two years and nine months into that or two years Close enough to nine months into that. And so um, a move is coming for me pretty soon. Another career change is coming for me pretty soon because I've put in the work. And so um, I'm looking forward to living in a new destination and meeting new friends from that. And the same life that I created here where there's not a whole lot of life to create, frankly, to be able to create that in a new area where there's a lot more possibilities and just to the system I created to myself, like, I have the blueprint now so I can move mm -hmm. anywhere. I feel like I move anywhere on earth and okay. have a, have a system for myself where I am flourishing, where I'm happy, where I can continue to grow. And so uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing what comes of that, man. Okay. Okay. Man, you, you giving hope to those that ain't made it yet, bro. Like, cause I really am now looking for, not to say I wouldn't, then I was dreading my thirties. But I've been really looking forward to it now because a lot of people make it seem like, especially with black folk as a whole, really starting to pop that shit. Like, look at our, some of our elders, right? Sister Tyson, I'll just use her. The, the woman was almost 100 years old. And you can still see she was giving you looks. She was still giving you wigs. She's still she giving you outfits. She's still giving you performances. She's still giving you what you need. And I don't know what happened where there's this, where I know I, mm -mm, it just came to me, 
where society will tell you that you have to accomplish everything that you want to accomplish by the time you turn 35. You know, at least that's what it was like when we were growing up. Like I, for some reason, have gone back and started watching The Nanny that used to come out on like Nickelodeon back in yep. the day. Which, by the way, if, if you youngest is listening to this podcast, go watch The Nanny. Like, don't be too pro-black that you don't go watch The Nanny because <laughs> The Nanny is, is great comedy. I mean, pure comedy. Nanny is lit. But and then it was lit. But when I was thinking like some of the stuff that she was saying, like how she felt like she had to be married by the time she was 30. She had to have this job and this amazing career by the time she's 30. And I don't know why society says that you have to have that by the time you're 30, not recognizing that, shoot, I'm 27 and I'm still just like, can I give adulting back? Like, I don't like this. Right. Like, can I please return this back to a store? Because this sucks. I hate it. Right. But when you have that awareness of self and you have that, that knowledge or you actually do the work that's necessary in your 20s, that's what then makes your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And if you're blessed to see past, you know, 100, it, that's what makes them lit. That it's, it's the work that you do leading up to that point. And like I said, man, it, it really makes me look forward to 30 even more because it's like, I have done a lot of work, you know, I have put in the work and I have done my, you know, introspective work and I've, you know, figured out, you know, what doesn't work for me. I haven't completely figured out what it is that I want to do. I'm just moving off with the energy and where I am right now, it's like, this is good energy. I'm great to be here and I'm going to create and do what I know how to do best in this space and in this energy. Um, and so, like I said, man, it's it's really, really dope that you are, you know, you selling 30, like, you know, you can pay for it because it it, it, <laughs> sounds, it sounds amazing. Man, so, you know what, though? Real, real quick before you say that, I just want to say that, like, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of those societal things are like, that shit is outdated, bro. You know, like. Big time. It's these archaic ideas that people bought onto and people are afraid to leave because it's not their comfort zone and people don't like going outside their comfort zone. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, I feel like the people that kind of made their own way, like you look at your, like the lady, she wrote Ava. Ava Duvernay. Yeah. Like did she, did she get started like later in life? Yeah. There's a lot of people that got started later in life. It was somebody else. Um, that they it was a it was a, a woman in her 70s she didn't get started till then as well and still popping yeah right even is definitely a, a great example too right like that whole that whole adulthood shit man it's just because like i feel like it was because niggas was able to get drafted at 18 and you know they came back yeah. and it was making like sort of what was adult salary at the time and so they came back as adults and then like mm-hmm. but this might be based on that or it might be based on what work but it don't work now and so you know, I feel like that's something to with attachments, you know, just like mm-hmm. not being attached to like outdated outcomes for yourself. You know, people be like 25 and they're not homeowners yet and they're not like mm-hmm. in relationships yet. And they're like, I'm not where I want to be. What is that based on, bro? You know, because mm-hmm. a lot of the time it's not even based on what you might actually want for yourself. Mm-hmm. It might be based on what your grandma want for you or what, you know, you might have seen somebody flexing them, but. You know, it might not be for you. And it's interesting that you say that because I really wish a lot of black men would recognize that too um, as a whole because they, I, I'm not going to delve too much into this, but the conversation about, you know, uh, about homosexuality and stuff like that is so fly to me and it's so weird to me because, it, especially from the hood definition, because at the most basic, the hood definition is essentially doing stuff that is either feminine or doing stuff for other men, right? 
But a lot of people don't recognize that the way they eat, think, breathe, act, sleep, dress, all of these different things is based off of other, what other men think. Mm. Like when you broil it down to its most logical standpoint, it's yeah. like the reason why you out here flexing is because you saw another man flexing and you want to be like that man. By y'all definition, that's some gay ass shit. Just, <laughs> keep it, just keep it point blank period. That's just good. by y'all definition. But as someone said in a, a song that I heard, um, over the pandemic, matter of fact, um, he said in the bar, he was like, fuck what another nigga think, because most times what that nigga think is based on what another nigga think. Right. And I'm like, I was like, you know, mind blown. I'm like, I didn't even think about it like that until he said it, because it's like, no, a lot of, you know, even if you zoom out from the just the hood perspective or just your circle perspective, right? You know, they always say you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most, right? But a lot of people will easily gravitate to the people that's around them instead of standing in their truth and figuring out what it is for themselves. But then don't recognize that the way that they move is based on those five people or based on the what's around them. But even when you zoom out and look at on the society view, that's literally patriarchy. Like you're following what a white man, rich white man, rich straight Christian white man told you. And then you'd be wondering why X, Y, and Z don't work. And I'm waiting on the black community as a whole to recognize it because it's like, y'all, we, we, we beef with each other for no reason when the real beef needs to be turned that way and mm -hmm. go fight these people, you know? So I, I, I definitely appreciate how you put it like that, man. You make this sound way too easy. <laughs> So the last thing that I got, and we gonna get up out of here for today. So you had a whole entire episode where you pop your shit, man, which to me sounded like you keep yourself from popping your shit like you really want to. So we're gonna take the next 360 seconds. That's three minutes. No, six minutes. I don't know. I can't do math. Y'all, I'm a social studies teacher. We don't teach math. <laughs> But you're going to take the next 360 seconds and I want you to pop your shit, man. Tell everybody about what you got created, what you got going on, what you're working on. Because you got a brand, you got a whole nother podcast that I don't know if any other people know about it. But take this time, pop your shit. What you got going on, man? <laughs> See, I don't do this a lot because I only talk about myself for real, ironically. But... Which is why you're getting the space to do it right now. <laughs> exactly why or exactly why you're getting it. All right. Yeah, I got a, I got a few things going on. Um... I do have a brand, my brand, uh, the Monarch brand is something that I actually made from some of the struggles that I talked about and just wanted to feel like I was useful, you know, so um, I made a lot of different things that came from it. But what really stemmed from it and stuck was, uh, you know, like a natural hair pomade that I make myself. And so uh, okay. I'm actually really building some stuff around it to, to do some marketing more, but I'm really proud of what I created. I feel like it stands, it stands alongside any product that you see in Target of its type um but that's at themonarchbrand.com all the socials is the monarch brand of course this this right here is my baby you know what i mean so at the water podcast on twitter and instagram and you know where to find a link is going to be in the description anyway my other podcast that i started with some friends last one's at the bar we met at the actual bar and watching a boxing match and it's for the fight community is specifically for you but we just right. get together every week and that those episodes come out every Monday and we just talk about what's going on in boxing. And so um, those socials are at last ones at the bar on Instagram and at last ones at the bar on Twitter. But there is a T missing in the Twitter one. So I'll link that in the description as well. Um, 
and then outside of that, like I'm just out here just trying to be happy, man, just trying to self-actualize, um, just trying to have fulfilling relationships. And that's really what it's about. Like all this stuff just comes from a place of wanting to do what makes me happy. I love that, man. I, I, I love that. So y'all heard the socials. Y'all heard all the stuff. Go run it. Go run this up. Run this main pockets up. Run this check up. Run his cash up. Run his zeal up. Run PayPal. Run it all up. Run run the followers up. Run it all up. Now, you know, I already told you. Now, if we come back and the stuff ain't ran up, now we gonna have a problem. <laughs> and you gonna come see my face from Sheik of All Trades. You gonna see and hear from me if you ain't ran it up. Respect. So with that being said, man, First and foremost, again, thank you for this opportunity to be here on the Water Podcast. I hope y'all had an amazing time learning about your lovely host and creator of this space. Because again, it makes sense that, you know, he brings all these other people on to talk about and share their ideas and their views and things like that. But you also don't often get to hear from the people who create and make things and, you know, do for others, right? And so I, I'm grateful and appreciative to be here in this space and to share this space with you all. And that's it. Again, I'm Charles, the Sheik of All Trades. Follow me on, on IG at the Sheik of All Trades or at the underscore Kitchen Country, T-H-E underscore Kitchen Country. Find all my stuff that I bake, cook, and all that great shit on there. And then the other one, if you just want, you know, some, some good game talk and, you know, some good music links, maybe. I don't know. I just talk. I talk to myself on, on IG, you know. So follow me if you want to. If not, I ain't bothered neither. But until next time, this has been a water podcast. Y'all be great.